You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Hi, good evening, everyone. Okay, may I please request that we occupy the front seats? Please indulge me and let's move forward. Thank you. And if it's possible, can we just all be on the side so that I don't have to keep turning back? So welcome to the exchange, our super chilled evening service. I'm sorry, I'm going to ask them to turn on the light. I know we always like to keep the lights out, but please. Can we have the lights on? Thank you. I think there's a problem with this, the positioning of this one. So it's not, it's not very clear. Aha, much better. I can see faces now beside them. Awesome. Okay, so we continue in in our teaching series for the benefit of those who weren't here maybe last week or earlier. We started a teaching series called The Art of God. And I believe it's been amazing so far. Um different things to learn, but essentially, in, in summary, just a reminder of who our father is and the fact that he's the master strategist, he's the master artist, he has the big picture of our lives, he's the one painting on the canvas of our lives. And in fact, the work had been finished before we were even thought of, or con- no, before we were conceived in our mother's wombs. So he already thought of us, he already fashioned us, you know, in a certain way, mapped out the journeys of our lives, and what we're doing is living and reflecting it. Um, I was going to ask them to get me a, what you might call that board? Now, that board, a white board, yes. And I was going to do a, a, a journey map of sorts, but alas, I forgot. So I will be using, I'll be painting in the air. So please bear with me, okay? So I remember last week, I asked a question and I said that, um, Jeremiah 29, 11 says that the thoughts that I have towards you are thoughts of good and not evil. We all, how many people are familiar with that scripture? Let me not assume. Okay, some of us are. Not all of us ever heard that scripture before. I feel like it's one of the popular, there are like some 10 or so scriptures that you will hear typically in a church or a church setting or by a Christian. In fact, I feel like some people don't even know where that scripture is, but they know it. The thoughts I have towards you, because sometimes when you feel like things aren't working out, your output as defined by him, which is to give me a hope and a future. Another translation says to bring you to that victorious expected end. Okay. Now, I said, if you looked at the life of um, Joseph, yeah, it was Joseph, and I asked the question, Joseph, dearly beloved son of Jacob, deeply hated by his brothers, um, some will say for no just cause, uh, but essentially because of the dream that he kept propagating. If you looked at his story and his journey from coat of many colors to being stripped naked to having no coats, okay, so coat of many colors to no coats, then to houseboy coats, then to prisoners coats, before eventually prime minister's robe. We won't call that one coat. Let's call it robe. But 
I mean, just look at the journey and the different garments that Joseph had to wear in the journey of his life. Now, if we had a board and I drill from here, okay, so let's say, what's your name, please? Agatha. So where Agatha is seated, let's assume this is coat of many colors destination or point of entry point, loved by his brother, his, his, sorry, loved by his father, his mother, and all that. Um, if Joseph, as a time he was having those his dreams and plotting the journey of his life and saying that, look, my, um, you, you guys are going to bow down to me, the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, I saw them bowing, so I suspect you all, these are my brothers and my parents, you all are going to bow down to me. I'm sure Joseph, in his mind, plotted a journey that looked like this, yeah? Straight line. Now, Joseph, if we had to draw the map, so we've drawn a straight line now for Joseph's journey, assumption, and that is how we all plot our, the graphs of our lives, yeah? So I'll go to school, finish secondary school, do A-levels, go abroad, get a, you know, uh, a, a first degree, get a second degree, probably if I'm in the mood, I'll do a PhD, I'll get married, I'll have kids, you know, I don't know if whether I'll come back to Nigeria, but I'll get a job at the UN or the World Bank. And you know, you just plot the journey and it just looks like it's making sense. It's making sense, you know, and just straight line all the way to the door. Now take Joseph's actual life journey. So there is, I was gonna say there's the forecast, the projection, and there's the actual. So you know when in budgeting, uh -huh. you, have a, you have projections, you have a budget, okay? And then you now have the actual spend, mm -hmm, something like that. So Joseph's journey now looks like coat of many colors and then he was stripped and thrown in a pit. Are we moving forward or moving backward? It, it feels like backward, right? So that's a step. So imagine this is Joseph's coat of many colors and then he's here, pit. And then what happens next? He gets sold by the, he gets sold to the Ishmaelites. So before he becomes a houseboy, he first became a slave, yeah? So he has to put on slave's garment. Which is worse off, being in the pit or being a slave? No, just, if you had to choose, be, being in the pit is better than being a slave. So if they leave you in the pit, in the desert, wild animals, and uh, no food, no water. Or slave. Which one would you choose? Slave. If so if you go for pit, hands up. If you go for slavery, hands up. <laughs> Faithfulness says God forbid. I'm sure you are traumatized by the likes of uh, Roots and uh, Kunta Kinte and all those weird, the things they did to slaves back then. I know. Every time I watch any of those, um, what do you call them, That's colonization type movies, I'm just always grateful because I'm like, God, I don't know that I would not have disowned you as a slave. I, I don't know how I would have thrived. I, as in, I can't picture my life as like survival. I feel like I would have just committed suicide or some, done something ridiculous. Honestly, I struggle to think. But to think that, um, I struggle to see myself, but to think that people actually thrived, like survived this, those seasons. Anyway, so more people are in favor of slavery. So we'll go with, 
So where, where were we? We're here, coat of many colors. We're here after slavery. He gets sold, yeah, to Potiphar's house. Okay. House boy. Thank you. House boy. Better than slavery? We all agree. Okay, so let me move back a bit. So uh, coat of many colors, Pete, uh, no, slavery, then house boy, just a little, okay? So you can see the way the map is looking, right? But look at where he's coming from. His expectation as at the time of dreaming was to advance forward, okay? So we are here now, slavery. What then happens next? Prison. But in the course of slavery, he gets promotion, yeah? So just a little teeny weeny progress as at in that situation. Then prison. Where do we put prison? All the way. All the way, right? I should keep going. Okay, so prison. Let's pause here. Life would look like just making progress, okay, and becoming king of boys. <laughs> but Joseph, this is starting point. We see him go like this, like this, and then like this, and he's here. Before something happens, and then he gets here. So I asked the question, if you put that side by side with Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, the thoughts that I have towards you are thoughts of good and not evil. Are we going to say, okay, let me not ask, say are we going to say, just for the benefit of those who were not here last Sunday. So I asked everyone, I said, would we say, if Joseph was interpreting that scripture in line with the journey of his life, the map, and of course, I'm sure you know that it was not today they took his clothes and put him in the pit. Tomorrow they sold him, and then days went by, right? So if we wanted to plot this properly, we'd probably be like this, something like this, before he then comes here. Would you say, what would you, putting that side by side with the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, how would you interpret? Would, can Joseph say that the thoughts that God had for him are good thoughts with this line of events? What do you think? From the pits, the plan was all evil. So would we say God was not at work in Joseph's life? Did God pause and like turn his back on Joseph as at the time all of this was happening to him? And then all of a sudden God remembered his plans for, his, for Joseph's life and said, ah, no, 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 this is not the plan. No, no, we have to go, I have to go and change the masterpiece. This was not what I planned for you. And then put him here. God doesn't lie. Number one, we know that. Is anybody here who thinks that sometimes God tells a fib? Yeah, anybody who feels like, yeah, sometimes God doesn't exactly honor his word. You know, sometimes he says one thing and he does something else. Anybody? Okay, so we're all in agreement that God is true to his word. Oh, Caleb left. I suspect Caleb has a different opinion. Just joking. So we're all in agreement that God honors his word, right? He says something and he stands by it. Yeah? In fact, scripture says that his word he has exalted over his what? His name. Okay. So, he honors his word. And when he says that the thoughts that I have for you are good thoughts. Now, there's something I also need to point out, which is the fact that God, God has a plan for each and every one of us. Sometimes, the devil comes and, comes and paints a different picture. 
And when is it that is the devil at work? And when is it that it is God that is permit, um, you know, God's plan unfolding for my life? And the reason why we know that it was not the devil at work in the life of Joseph was because of the things that were revealed as at the time when the fulfillment of the promise. So there was the dream that he had, that Joseph had zero knowledge how it was going to happen. Okay? So God had shown him a sneak peek of what his life would look like. God has shown him greatness. But Joseph, I'm sure in his small-mindedness, probably figured that the, you know, the, in fact, how his father interpreted the dream was, oh, so are you trying to say me and your mother and your brothers will bow down to you? Because that was all the, their human mind could see. However, when God was giving Joseph those dreams, he had two dreams, right? When God gave him those dreams, God was showing him a sneak peek of him saving nations. Not even just their nation. Him saving a generation of, of, of Israelites. Are we together? So God, God was showing a, a salvation plan. But Joseph and his family were interpreting. That's why his brothers were so upset. Because if they, were, if they had an idea what God was up to, there's a high likelihood that they may have worked to prevent it just out of anger and jealousy. So they would not have sold him. They would have kept his clothes, of, his clothes of, uh, what was that thing? His coat of many colors, yes. They would have kept it. If the thing has a rip, they will sew it up, pamper him, be nice to him. He will be comfortable in his own. And that's like some of us. We are super comfortable in our zone and the Lord is shaking you and saying this is not the plan. The masterpiece I have painted for you, it's not here. It's not here. Here is comfort. Assignment. You need to go through this. And we're like, no, God. That cannot be the plan. That cannot be the masterpiece. So, back to that same scripture. Would you say, the thoughts that God had for Joseph, in light of this journey, were they good thoughts or not? Yeah? So now you've changed your mind. It's no longer evil. It's good. I made a, a, a distinction between what um, the devil comes in to do. And now we don't speak too much about that because we don't give the devil unnecessary power. We don't magnify his works because he's powerless. But I find that we are the ones that make room for him to operate. There's that. There is um, also from scripture... There is God permitting him to operate so that, how does Jesus put it? When the disciples would ask, who sinned? Because they understand that sometimes we open up gates, we open up portals that permit enemy operations through sin. How many people know that? Okay. Hence why the disciples would ask Jesus, who sinned? this man or his parents. Every time I read that scripture, I'm, I marvel because here were the disciples in a dispensation of grace. I mean, Jesus was right there with them. But they knew that it was possible that parental errors could permit the manifestation of evil. Which is why when we pray in the Holy Ghost, what we do is we allow the Holy Spirit go to the deepest crevices and the parts where we 
do not know in our own human understanding things that have been done, altars that have been raised in ignorance by our parents, our ancestors, our some of some of I was saying some of us. Yes, you may not even know. Maybe when they were going to look for you. Okay, no, sorry, you all are very bougie. So, <laughs> but there are some people. Their parents went to river to ask for them. Their parents did all sorts of things. Went to altars. Went to some white garments. For like, why are you looking at Caleb? <laughs> Went to some white garment place, you know, went to some person, some authority to seek and make covenants that this person will serve you. Meanwhile, you are now in Life Point Church. The covenant that was enacted, who is going to fulfill it? So in their books, you are owing them or your parent is owing them. And then strange things begin to happen. There is that. And then there is the dimension where it is God that says, have you seen my servant Job? Have you seen my daughter faithfulness? Have you seen my son for Labi? And God just, I feel, see, God exposes you to the devil. Me, the devil was going, je, 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 je. He, did not see, he did not see your matter. He did not notice you. But God said, hey, come. What have you been up to? You're just roaming to and fro, very aimless, no work. Have you seen my daughter? Has he given him work? Why? Why would you do that, God? But Why? I shared with the house last week how that when I, when I got saved and I used to read that Job story, it was a prayer point to, of God, don't, don't, don't boast with me. No, it's okay. Don't glorify yourself through me. As in just let me be okay. Just do you. Let me do me. I love you, but don't come and show me off. Don't come and test me and give me unnecessary headache. Because Job was, I mean, look at how Job came back and scripture reads his income or his wealth, his resources would have grown. But God says he restored to him more than he lost. How do you restore children? How do you start? As in, how old was Job when he started having kids again? You know, my mind was always muddled up every time I read that whole restoration story. But God is in the business of restoring. And I find that when he restores, the pain of the loss you don't feel it because what he, he, he compensates with his restoration. He doesn't give to you what you've lost. He gives to you way more than. He blows your mind so much so that you are almost thankful for the adversity. In fact, you are thankful for the adversity. That God, I went through this fire and yet I did not renounce your name as in I did not, I, I, I didn't stray from you. Look what you've done for me. And people look at your life. and See, because every time God gives, every time God gives a dream, every time God works, Jesus would respond to his disciples when he asked him, so who sinned? This himself through us. He beautifies our lives beyond human capacity to do. So there is no, much you, there is no way you want to plot the graph of your life or plot your story that you would have attained what God would then have done for you. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody here. So, speaking about inspiration, yeah? One of the things, just preparing for this service, I asked myself, how did God, how did God get inspired? And I, I mean, this is a conversation. That's why I like the evening service. We, we can talk and, and discuss. So if I can have an extra mic, please. How did God get inspired? Who inspired God or what inspired God? 
we see his works and we marvel. I mean, man has tried to um, create several at the intelligence of God through the works of man. When you see what man has created. Um, in course of, I mean, I was reading up on this whole Virgin Galactic. Um, how many people are going to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars to go and just take a glimpse of the space of space and just be there, party with uh, Izile Gaga, and come back to Earth? So just a few minutes in space. Be about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Barry, Barry. So if you, what is that list people always create? Is it a bucket list? You can put it in your bucket list to do. As a to do. It's not just bungee jumping and uh, all those things. You put that you want to go to space. But you look at the works of man that were clearly inspired by the intelligence of God. Some of the innovation that we have in our world today clearly show to you that, look, if man is thinking like this, then the God of the universe... The, how is he thinking? Like, I feel like, you know how you, you talk to some people and they say to you, and you listen to them and like, you, when you're describing them to someone, as you said, his mind is crazy. Like the kind of thoughts that he has, the kind of things he's thinking about deploying and doing and the solutions is, 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 you know, running through his mind. You are impressed. Then think about the God of the universe and his thoughts. I mean, even the formation of the earth. There is no way man would have wanted to create and would have created as well or as much in a, in, in, a, um, in a world of disorder, in a world of darkness, in a world of chaos, in a world where nothing existed, where there was nothingness, a blank canvas. And the master of the universe starts to paint. Of God is wisdom. Inspiration is such a big deal. It's such a big deal to God. So when we are not living inspired lives, we are not, um, you know how it is when your car is not functioning at its usual, the normal capacity that it's designed to, that's exactly what it is. We're functioning suboptimally. And there's so many things that steal and kill inspiration, which is why people in the world find ways to inspire themselves, to ensure that, that their creative juices keep flowing. Can I ask a question? Does it work? It does. Well, only faithfulness is it. Does it work? The various other ways, alternatives to inspiration, or way, alternative ways of being inspired. So what do people do? They do drugs, you know, weed, coke, different things. Some people is women. It's someone... <laughs> I've met interesting people in my life. I remember meeting someone who was supposed to be a client, an older man. He was, he, I think he was a senior advocate or something. But anyway, I was marketing him. And my friend and I, we went for a, a business lunch with him. And he, he was very prideful just telling us how that, oh, no, he knows a lot of men when they have sex with women. They are very tired and they fall asleep. That, no, he can go, different women. And that he gets up and he gets to work. Like he goes and starts to debrief his cases. And he was saying it like, I'm drawing energy from just, not women that are his wife, by the way. So it's not as if I, oh, I have sex with my wife and I'm just very inspired. I mean, that's beautiful, you get. But this is that you are sleeping with, you are sleeping with other women and you are just very comfortable. Like, 
I don't, I don't fall asleep like lazy men do. I just get up and get going. And I'm, I, I go straight to my work table and I'm trying to like solve a problem, a neuroscientist uh, or anything, but I feel like there's something that happens with the brain. There's some chemicals that are released that helps people become creative after they have indulged in certain lifestyle or addictive behavior. But for us as God's children, because if the people of the world, scripture says, and it's interesting, Jesus would say that the children of the world are wiser. They are smarter than the children of light. And that's a very, I feel like that's, 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 Jesus dragged us there, like seriously. Because if the children who possess light, the children of light possess light, they are light carriers. They are illuminated or their lives are expected to be illuminated. If they are unable to, dis, to display and deploy a level of wisdom that transcends human understanding, where the children of the world would look at the child of light and marvel then it says to me that that child of the, of the Lord searching the inward parts of the belly. So what happens is that your spirit, God lights up your spirit. The way you would light up a candle and it would give light in a room where there is darkness. The Holy Spirit would light your human spirit, your regenerated human spirit, by the way, and give you capacity to be able to think creatively, to be able to think like God and deploy solutions in the space where you have been placed, it is easy to function from a place and a position of grace. Light flows easily from a place where it is that you are the one that has put yourself. But that's even by the side. Just still focusing on creativity. So that, that begs the question, because Jesus would not, he didn't, say, he didn't say the children of the world are wiser than believers. He didn't say the children of the world are wiser than those who are saved. He said that the children of light, that's a, what is that thing called in English? Is that an oxymoron? A Nigerian is expected to have a Nigerian passport, right? That's not even a good, um, if I say somebody in life point band, what the expectation is that the person sings, right? If I say Falabi, we know that he sings. Uh -huh. So when Falabi is not, we, we, he's been designed to sing, but he's not singing and he's, I don't know, farming. Not, not like famine is a bad thing, but when the child of light is not doing what he or she has been designed to do, give light, there's a problem. So this concept of inspiration and creativity is big for God because what you find is there are solutions being deployed in our world today that are propagating the agenda of the enemy and we are at war. There are a lot of conversations that are happening. I mean, you watch Netflix now. One out of three movies. Did I just say one? All, when I series, when we would watch a movie. And you will cringe when you see two women making out or two men making out. But now it's as in, you would fast forward. You would flip. What's that? Blood of Jesus. God forbid. You just, you know, fast forward it. But now we're very comfortable. I just like, I mean, it's subconsciously has become a part, a, a normal thing. It's become the norm. And that's just one out of many devices that the enemy is selling. So he will take the original and he will pervert it. But that is a level of creativity, by the way, because it takes a lot of effort and thinking to pervert what, or what has been originally designed to function a certain way. And not only that, to then sell the agenda and to successfully sell it. 
But what are the children of light doing with their inspiration and their creativity? How are we allowing the Holy Spirit to inspire us? So I'm going to ask a question in the room and just have people provide comments. So, what inspires you? Do I have anybody who wants to share? Anybody who wants to share? Or else still thinking? All right. Okay, please go ahead. That's not correct. What inspires you? And I was very deliberate about saying what. Because if I say who, we're all going to say Jesus. We know how to do, we know how to do group thinking in church a lot. Even the person that is not, that on a good day, in the midst of friends, will not ascribe the inspiration to Jesus. We do that in church. So what inspires you as an individual? How do you get your high? For some people, guess what? It's actually working out. Let it not be that we are saying just the really negative stuff. For some people, it is working out. Thinking is very increased. Their thinking levels, just churning out stuff, getting work done. So, who wants to share? Oh, we're not inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for me, it's uh, my mind is a constant riot. And when I'm in a particular place at a particular time, I make up a lot of scenarios. And I like to pour it out and share with other people. So I write. Yeah. So essentially, that's what it is. But I don't work as a writer per se, because I work in corporate comms. But the bedrock of corporate communications is writing. writing. So yes, that's what it is. So writing inspires you. It gets you thinking. Or yes. discuss, is it discussing with people or just actually no, pouring out, pouring out the, your stuff? Um, the scenarios that I make up in my head. Okay. Yes. And we were praying. I made out two articles from your prayer points. Wow. Will I ever write them? I'm not sure. <laughs> but they just dropped. Wow. And I told myself, oh, I should write those ideas down. So when I'm moving around, driving, I'm constantly making up stories in my head. Interesting. That's yes. beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Anna, you should write those articles. Please, let me read them so I can get inspired too. Okay, anybody else want to share? Thank you. Hi. Good evening, everybody. Uh, as an artist, I think I derive inspiration from different things. What kind of um, artist are you? Especially fine arts. Fine. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Did you put in an application? Did yeah. you send in an entry? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I think I've, I get inspired when I see people from inside. So seeing people do things, their everyday activities, probably selling in the market, the way they sell, and the way, especially what they wear, it gives me different narratives. I, I kind of ask myself, why is this woman wearing this? Or why, why is that light on? Why is that the only light on in that house? Why are the other lights off? And, or why, why is this place, why did they use this particular color? So the things I see create um, questions in my mind. And in a bit of trying to answer this question, that's how I come about my art. 
and creating things. Beautiful. So that's the one. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, can we take one more person? Possibly a guy. Okay. No, no, let's, do we have a guy? No, Falabi, I'm going to come to you. I have to make money too. <laughs> and the second thing. I love um, it. <laughs> and the second thing um, I would say the big inspiration for me is um, overcoming the negative thoughts of our head, of our minds. So growing up, it's always like, you're not enough and all this stuff. But like, I keep on telling myself that I can do so much more than what I am now. So it makes me want to work hard and accomplish like new feats. Um, I get here and I'm like, I've done this. Okay, that's good. But you can do much more. So like, that's my inspiration. inspiration. Just the need to continue to, continue to be more. Yeah, because I know that I'm based on less. the experiences you've had. Yes, exactly. Just try to change that narrative. Yes. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, so Falabi, question to you: How do you come? How do you get inspired? What is your creative um, process. Okay, am I sitting down? Or? Okay. Um, but the amazing thing about that is, it didn't used to, it didn't last for very long, and then it was, um, the effect of that was just very. Um, it counters the what you were going for in the first place, so you end up thinking You've, about. I think you were just saved from the womb. <laughs> you know, you just detoured a bit. Because yeah. if you speak to the likes of Fela, they will say to you, I mean, people who are like Fela followers, a lot of his work, I mean, we know, we, we know the kind of lifestyle he lived. We, I mean, you cannot be normal to just be wearing only pants yeah. back then. I mean, now it's a thing. Beyonce has popularized the whole um, one-piece suit wearing dress. Okay. I feared. But... Fella is the only man, I don't know if there's any other man that sings with only pants, like not boxers, like pants, pants, trunk. I don't really like his songs. <laughs> Just saying. But I know a lot of them, my father loved his songs. We had quite a number of his albums. But the fact that people can sing along, and he was always talking about government, and he had like this very interesting sing-along lyrics that the whole world seems to know. Fela was very popular. He was one of the people who popularized, is it Afro-Pop or Afro-Juju? Afro-Juju, you know. So, but the man was a chinny, like weed. There's a whole kingdom that he created, Kalakuta, on top of this matter. So people go there, and you cannot be normal. If you go there you cannot be normal because you go there to go and weed, to use substances and different things. But they said that all of these things he did and the number of women, he was trying to match Solomon, the number of women he also had around him gave him inspiration and he could create great music, you know. Yes. So... I think that's what I'm... How, how, for fella, it wasn't, aside from health issues. Oh, no, it, it, I mean, he... So let me give you one example that I remember. I know I have a picture of him. Uh, no, of me on what used to be, um, I can't remember, one social media app at that point. MySpace? MySpace, yes, MySpace. Ah. <laughs> you don't know MySpace? I want Jay Z. You know, MySpace then, and it has a picture of me that I would never show to anybody now, but that picture is there. Thankfully, my space doesn't work. I think it doesn't work anymore. And I know at some point, I was also like really drunk and I fell off a bike. 
So imagine if I had done, if maybe it wasn't uh, a bike, maybe it was something else mm. that's more dangerous. I would have probably lost my life and I would have never been able to bless more people. So mm. Absolutely. It's more destructive in the, in the end. So um, it's amazing that, you know, the lady talked about being in the room and as we are leading prayers, she got inspiration. Um, so I take note of everything, um, especially for writing songs. Um, I remember that I wrote an entire song from our prayer meeting in the tent back in the day. And because I was very conscious of what was happening, the inspiration, sometimes you get inspired, but you don't know that you've just been inspired. You just mm. think that it's like any other stuff. But thank God for technology. Now, I voice note everything. I have voice note backed up since like 2018. And I can write the chorus to a song today, and the entire verse is from one voice note in February 2018. So I take note of all the inspiration, the little inspiration. Someone slaps somebody. I get inspiration from that, from movies, dark space. So I switch off all the lights, you know, shut the blinds, and just stay. Mm. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for sharing, Falabi. Please, let's appreciate him. Thank you. So, it's interesting because this whole dark space thing you mentioned, I remember, how many of you have seen American Gangster? Was he the one that would sit in a room, lock himself up for days, an empty room, just to think? Or am I mixing him up with someone? I think there's another movie. It's not Godfather. Is it Godfather? There's one of these old movies, yeah. The person was a drug, drug dealer, like really super successful black individual, like the business was not legit, but created, um, I think his godfather or something. But anyway, he's, he's, um, and he was super intelligent, able to create wealth for generations yet unborn, and his strategy. And the reason why sometimes we as Christians, we don't spend enough time to think. We don't have thinking time. We don't. That was back then. We were struggling with thinking time. Now, it's even worse. It's almost as if thinking time, if you're not deliberate about it, it doesn't exist anymore. And it's interesting because it's actually a scriptural um, perspective that the children of the world, again, are applying. It's a scriptural principle. It's a spiritual principle. Jesus will go off by himself to spend time with his father. Jesus will take time, separate himself from the crowd to pray. Jesus will separate himself from the crowd to rest, to just be by himself with the Father. But we as children of light are very busy with our world, the cares of this world, day to day, up and down. In fact, busy working for God. Meanwhile, God wants you to sit and be with him. The psalmist will say, in stillness and in quietness, and quietness where we allow the Spirit of God just intertwine with our human spirit. And we're quiet and we're just taking notes and we're, we're thinking through stuff. So I find in a season in my life, and it still happens now, where I was very activity, um, I was very busy. The way the Holy Spirit used to get me was bath time. There's no way you are rushing to now. At least you shall finish the shower. You will, you will shall finish the bath. Okay, so you, while in there, I start to get thoughts. But the challenge in, <laughs> with that is I don't have anything to write with. 
I don't have anything to put. I had to have a conversation with God to say, okay. So I, get, I, I hear a lot of things when I'm, when I'm in the shower. And so I don't rush my shower time because it's where I'm alone without children knocking on my door and door when my children were much younger. Because when the kids are younger, if I remember when I had my first child or I had a conversation or, or I listened to a message that while doing everything, you've got to actively practice the presence of God. So as a single person or as a married person without kids just yet, it was easy to separate time. I mean, my husband is an adult. He's a big boy. You'll be all right. Go and be by yourself. I need these two hours or I'm going away for a personal retreat. I could do things like that. But when I had my, my daughter, my, my baby, and I was, I was all over the place because I was very involved in motherhood, you know, nursing, and babies cry at different times. Sleep was a problem. I wasn't sleeping well, you know. The time, I missed the time where I would take my Bible and I could study for hours on end without anybody calling me. In fact, when my husband shows up when I'm studying and he sees the look on my face, he just retreats, you know. I could do that, but there, here was I, a child, once it's just like, I have to run. So I had to sleep because I need to build energy to be able to, you know, babies are very demanding in the first few months when you, they show up. So now my kids are slightly older. There's a lot more balance. They understand and they respect boundaries. Now, when they were toddlers, it was difficult. You know, now I can lock my room or be in my study and they know not to show up. Why? Because they can see that mommy has her Bible opened. They understand boundaries now. But my point is, stillness and quietness is so important. And then the, the, that particular movie, I can't remember what it is now, but the man would spend, he sits in a dark room, empties out every, there's nothing in the room, there's just a chair. He sits there and he's spending time thinking. And he can be there days and he's thinking. Nobody disturbs or distracts him there. If children of the world would be very deliberate about meditating on strategies, I mean, we can't say that they are communing with God on how to, how, to, how to further an illegitimate business. But they are sitting there and they are thinking and they have the mind of God over the things that he has committed into our hands. How are we leveraging the Holy Spirit, the help of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the greatest influencer. Now, scripture says, so that it doesn't look like we're rambling on and on and just, you know, gisting. There's scriptural... Um, uh, the scriptures to support everything that has been shared. So John 32, verse 69, the Amplified Translation says, But there is a vital force and a spirit of intelligence in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives them understanding. Those who are abundant in years may not always be wise, nor may the elders always understand justice. Now, if you backtrack a bit and read from so it was verse 9 I read. I think we read from verse 6. Please, can you help me read it? John th Job 32. If you have it, can you read it, please? So from verse 6, um, verse 7 says, I thought those who are older should speak, for wisdom comes with age. But there's a spirit within... No, hold on. Okay. Now, that's the part. I read verse 9, but I wanted us to read that pre preceding verse. Because here, Elihu was Loki shading his other friends. He's the youngest of the uh, three friends of, of Job. And he was saying to them, my expectation, and it's the world's expectation, that the older you are, the wiser you are. And in fact, we say it. We say um, things like um, there's, there's wisdom in age and things like that. And it's true. But when you see in the scripture, 
that there is a case or a point, an argument, and then there is a but. It's about to counter the um, opinion or the thought that has been previously expressed. So Elihu is saying here, look, my expectation is because you guys are older, there should be wisdom. But there is a level of wisdom that a young person can display that transcends age. So if you go into the scripture in Solomon, uh, sorry, 1 Kings 3. 1 Kings 3. And the point that I need us to note here is this. When we're talking about inspiration, is that it is reflected through your heart. It's reflected through heart. It's reflected through grace. It is reflected through skill. It is reflected through your level of excellence that you deploy at everything you do. It is reflected through love and care. There was something, a, a thought we established last, last week that I think was last week or in one of the sessions, I can't remember, but that resources don't flow to where they are mostly needed. They flow to where they are going to be utilized, well utilized. God is very economic. Let nobody get it twisted. I remember a very false, um, a false representation of who God is that I present God as who he is not. Let me explain. So I just got born again then, and this church that I was attending, the pastor was talking about how God loves us so much and he will do anything for us. That's correct. God will do anything for us. So he says, uh, the, love for, the love God has for us is like a child and a father. A child wants milk. Okay, listen. A child wants milk and the father is, so you, you take the glass of milk and you take your glass and you take the jug of milk and, you know, your father is just pouring the milk and it's pouring the milk and it's overflowing and it's just pouring it and it's just pouring it. And you know, there's just like endless resource. I understand the thoughts. However, I do not agree with the representation because God is not a waste of resources. God is, a, we've seen through scripture and even in the lives of people where resources, supply has been cut short because of how they have wasted, lived their lives in riotous ways. God does, everybody just, it's just flowing I understand the concept of abundance that the person was talking about. But as I grew older and I began to search the scriptures for myself, I realized that the God that we serve doesn't waste resources. There is a reason why he would say to um, Adam and Eve, everything here is yours. This one, don't. If he's that God that is just anyhow, because he also positions God as someone who's just anyhow, no, no, no rules, you know, and you can just be anyhow with him. I know we say that we are, we, we are, we are free we are, as his children. He loves us and he will do anything for us. But not when that same resource can feed thousands. Not when it can be committed to better use. You decide that this is how you want to utilize it. So, back to Solomon. And I was speaking about love and care and how that it's very critical to living inspired lives. So, love, care... Actually, 8 verse 76 or 76 verse 78. He would say concerning David that God chose him because of the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. So God would look at David and, and say, look, I want you to lead my people because I can see that you have put yourself through the work. You have gone through the process in the desert. You have fought the bear and the lion. I have seen you care for the sheep. 
that cannot speak. How much more if I commit my children, the, the children of Israel, into your hands? You will lead them with integrity. You will lead them with love and care. Now, his son Solomon here, we see how God would then relate with Solomon. God shows up to him one night and says to him, what do you want now that you have this kingdom? And I feel like God is asking us at every junction of our lives as he gives us opportunities to represent him. I feel like he's having conversations with us and asking us, what do you need for this assignment? Not because he doesn't know what we need. The privilege you've given to me to be able to lead. I don't take it for granted because you have made this promise to my father and I see you sticking with it. But not only have you kept to your word, you have committed these great people, this innumerable uh, multitude to me to lead. And I am just a child. I am young. So all I'm asking you for is for a heart that is discerning. I need to be able to discern good and evil. And I need to have understanding to be able to do this work effectively. And God was so blown with his response. He was really impressed. And he says to him, in, uh, let's read it. Let's read it as it says it. It says in 1 Kings 3, 9. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. Then in verse, 13, in verse 29 of that same 1 Kings 3. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceeding great understanding, largeness of heart like the sand on the sea, ordinary feet. But it started with an intent and a desire that Solomon had. Now, what is most critical to me on this assignment? How do I stay consistently inspired to do the work that you have committed to me? I need your wisdom. I need to be able to figure out good and evil. I need to be able to make right decisions because I'm leading people. I need to know what, you do, to, what to do. And who best to learn from but for, from the king of kings? So Solomon will make that desire and that request of God. And let's see something in 1 Kings 10. Falabi, can you help open it? Read verse 1 for me, and then, so 1 Kings 10, 1. And then I want someone else to read from verses 4 to, 4 to 10. So 1 Kings 10, 1 says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Of course. She came, so she heard about him. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing. What version are you reading? NLC. Okay, can somebody read to me that verse 4 in NKJV? If you have it open. You're still going to continue, please, to so just... Or if you can just change the, your version to NKJV. Because I like how it was. You said when the Queen of Sheba saw how wise Solomon was. Okay. Yeah. I like the way it was framed or phrased in um, NKJV there. He says something like, seeing his wisdom. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon. Okay. The house that he had built. So I'll read it again. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house oh. that... Okay, hold on. She saw all the wisdom of Solomon built. So there's a way you would read that scripture and you would assume that the wisdom that she saw was in the quality of work that was done. But it's different. So she not only heard him, she could visualize what he was saying. She could see what she was gleaning from him, from the well of wisdom of Solomon. It was, it was painting pictures for her. 
She was interacting with beyond the dimension of just hearing him speak. Then she sees the manifestation of that in the things that he had done and even in the quality of the lives of the people that were around him. Please go on. So um, verse 5 says, the food, so from the house that he had built, the food on his table, the sitting of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cup bearers and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more, there was no more believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are these, these are your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Amazing. And I think it's a good place to actually just wrap up. So, Solomon's level of inspiration and creativity was not only evident in the works of his hands. His speech would make somebody, well, I mean, and what's the truth? What, how does he put it there where she says um, there was no more spirit within her? What is the, yes. Can someone check what that reads in message for me? What other translation do we have of that? No, it's before this. She was breathless and awe. So she, essentially, she was in awe. She was just, she couldn't believe it. So it's not just that Solomon did. It's even the things he said. And the quality of the people he then had around him. You see how wisdom flows into everything. Inspiration flows into everything. She spoke about the sitting of his servants. She spoke, even that queen of Shiva herself must be very deep. And she's like, these people, attention to detail people. Everything in their environment, they draw inspiration from. But she saw everything, the clothes, the apparel of his servants, the pathway, the connection from his house to the house of God. That, was, that made an impression. Everything that Solomon, first, you know, she came with an agenda to test him. So first of all, he dazzled her. But she came and met someone that was way, where her intelligence level stops is where Solomon's nose is just starting. And she was breathless. He left her breathless. Exactly, speechless. So, your, your inspiration. And you see, the God that Solomon called on to, the God that Solomon served, that the God that did this for Solomon is the same God that we, you and I, call Father today. The relationship Solomon had with God then was not a father-son relationship. I mean, technically, because Jesus hadn't come and, you know, there wasn't all that type of relation, but he was, he, he honored God. He knew who God was. He knew that there was no way he would have been successful in his reign without God, the source of wisdom, of inspiration, and of creativity. And it was evident in everything Solomon did. If you go and read the preceding chapters of the construction of the temple and the construction, I mean, chapters dedicated to it, even till today, the Proverbs that we read, Every, as in the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. They were Solomon's wise sayings. So, where does that leave us? And I know theologians or some researchers have asked in today that, they've asked today, who's, 
who can we liken to Solomon's, who, who's displaying such wisdom that we can liken to the level and the quality of the kind of wisdom that Solomon displayed at his time? The only name that I've ever heard come up is Bill Gates. I don't know. But that's the only name that, that sort of is close to it. And I'm not even sure, to be honest. But does that mean it's impossible? That's a question that, because Solomon also, with that, only he could have had the capacity to marry those number of women. He had so much wisdom, it was oozing out of him and was just attracting them. But he had sort of gone ahead and gotten entangled with different women, with different gods and things like that. And God had to separate, because of that, by the time his children were coming into power, it was easy for God to say, look, I promised David that someone from your house would always be on the throne, but... I think it was under Solomon's reign, the Israel got divided. His son, his son Jeroboam or so. Rehoboam. And it's Jeho, Jeho, Jeho and Reho. Jero and Reho, yes. So, but the point is this. How are you leveraging the Holy Spirit as your influencer in your work, in your relationship, whether it's a business venture, whether it's in the quality of friendships you keep, whether it's, you know, some vision and passion that you have that God is inspiring. How are you leveraging the Holy Spirit in your health? How are you leveraging the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day -day living? Because that's pretty much the meal on your table and can see God in it. They looked at your servants. They see God in them. They looked at your, you know, the, the structure and the design of your house. They see God in it. They looked at your... I mean, they heard you say things, and they see God in you. So what are we saying? So never underestimate the impact of the Holy Spirit on the life of a believer. In fact, I find that the Holy Spirit is, should be, he should be your mainstay and also your joker. He's the one you pull out at a business meeting. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's the one that by the time you feel stuck and it looks like the entire room is dry of ideas, child of light, you should flow by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Solving business problems, solving national problems. You know, the light on our candle week because scripture says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So how do we let God, how do we stay alight? How do we stay lighted up? It's by spending time with the Holy Spirit. So he opens our eyes to new visions, to new dreams, to new opportunities, and even to new languages. So I want us to pray, just as we are seated here. I want us to pray. Ephesians 1.17, which is a prayer very popular that we pray from time to time. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Solomon knew God enough to know that I cannot be successful in this assignment outside of you. So would you ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and to give you supernatural exposure? To give you exchange at business meetings where you're leading your, your, your team, your staff. You know, you are that you are an artist, that your hands, the Holy Spirit breathes on you inspires your thinking, inspires your creativity, inspires the works of your hands, inspires your decisions, inspires your ideas. What nobody's thinking about in the room, 
is coming from you. See, the queen of Sheba will see all that and she will bless the God of Solomon. Solomon did not need to preach to her. Solomon did not need to be telling her, putting God in every statement. Some of us think it is when we put God in every statement. It's when we, we, we say in Jesus' name. And, and we, 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 we say at meetings, we are the one that we lead the prayer, opening prayer and closing prayer. That is not how you show that you are inspired by God at all. It is the quality of wisdom that is flowing out of you. It is the fact that people can come to you when they are stuck and they know that they will receive light from you. That is how your light is the life you have called me to. This supernatural life the Father has called me to. Grant me grace. Be the extra in my extraordinary. Inspire me with creativity, with ideas. Let me be brimming with ideas. Let me be brimming with ideas. Let there not be room to contain it. That in everything as I journey, open my eyes to see. Spirit of God, speak to me. Be my source of inspiration. Be my source of creativity. I don't want to just be, to blend in and to be in the crowd. I want to stand out as a child of light. I don't want to be the one that, you know, uh, when Jesus is referencing the children of the world and children of light, that I fall in that category where I'm that child of light that is foolish. Where my light has gone dim. Where my light has gone off. Tonight, I re receive a lighting up. Set me on fire once again. Illuminate my life. Fill me with wind. Receive and incubate the thoughts of God. Receive and incubate the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit has free course to flow and to inspire me into action. In the name of Jesus, no longer am I dull. No longer am I dull of hearing. No longer am I dull not being able to contribute at, at meetings, not being able to contribute. You, no, no, no longer am I slow. Slow to understand. Slow to, to take action. In the name of Jesus. Because I am a child of light. And so I declare, I declare light be. Over my mind, light be. Every distraction. Tonight I command a separation. In the name of Jesus. Everything that is clogging my mind. Everything that is not a, a, enabling me to access that place of creativity. Everything that is, is distracting me from sitting and being still with my creative thinking. Business strategy meetings with the Holy Spirit. I am making out time for strategy direction meetings with the Holy Spirit. I am creating time to incubate the thoughts of God over my community, over the works of my hands, over the vision and the mission that he has given to me over my family, over my generation, in the name of Jesus, over my industry, would you declare that you are creative? You are full of the Spirit of God and you have the mind of Christ. And it is evident in all that you do that your work output speaks for you. Your work output glorifies your Father in heaven. In the name of Jesus, that men will see your work output. Men will listen to the depths of wisdom that you are functioning in and they will glorify God. Just as the Queen of Shiva glorified God. She not only glorified God, she blessed, the, I mean, she, she celebrated the people that were surrounding Solomon. And man, you, ever since I became friends with Fadekemi, ever since I was being mentored by faithfulness and Damilola, my life changed for the better. My life changed for the better. That is how your light lights up others in our generation. And that is how we dispel darkness. Father, we thank you. We give you all praise and we acknowledge you as a source of creativity and inspiration.
We ask that you light us up. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Fill us afresh with your presence. Help us to prioritize waiting on you, trusting you for our decisions. Help us to see clearly and help us to live this life that you have called us to successfully in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.